did you hear? One of our local businesses has arranged for a cardboard cutout of Santa to be positioned outdoors for folks to come and snap a selfie with Santa. Masks required, of course, except for the brief moment when you snap your photo. Another local place will have actual live Santa there, but seated on bleachers, separated by plexiglass, and you can sit 10 feet away on the bleachers with Santa. On one level, I'm deeply appreciative of the creativity and ingenuity, the like making it work to still have a photo with Santa this year. But on the other hand, man, I am just so tired of figuring out how to adapt everything in order to make it work in 2020. So when it comes to Advent, we don't wanna expend the energy to figure it all out and make it work. I'm so weary. Are you feeling this weariness too? We just wanna like be in Advent and Christmas. And so for Advent and Christmas here at Salt House, though we have to be physically distanced, we're not adapting it, not just making it work. We're heading into it as we are and as it is, letting ourselves experience what Jesus' incarnation reveals to us, that the word of God is incarnated in human vulnerability. We see it in the Jesus story then, and it's what we experience now. The word of God is incarnated in human vulnerability, which is why our Advent sermon series is simply called Be Not Afraid. It is how the angels greeted Mary and Joseph, be not afraid. It is declared to the shepherds in the fields after Jesus' birth, be not afraid. It is what we've needed to hear in the last nine months, be not afraid. It is something we'll say to one another as we draw nearer to the manger, be not afraid. And we'll need to say it and hear it because if the word of God is incarnated in human vulnerability, then we're walking this Advent road into our vulnerability as we explore the themes of hope, embodiment, blessing, and love. So friends, be not afraid as we open to how we're really doing and who we really are for here in our ordinary everyday vulnerabilities, we will be met by the coming Emmanuel, our God with us now. All right, friends, will you take a breath with me as we just show up in this sermon time together? And I wonder... Are you ready for Christmas? Because we are T minus 12 days until Christmas morning, people. Are you ready? So we usually ask this question, meaning like, have you finished your shopping and cooking and mailing and decorating and wrapping? But for us as Jesus followers, it's a question we get to ask with a different meaning behind it. For the season of Advent asks us to prepare, to get ready, ready for the ways in which God is and will arrive in our midst, and which we're naming this particular Advent as a very vulnerable process, opening us to our own vulnerable places. And in this work today, this Sunday, we're going to spend some time with perhaps the most vulnerable of all the ladies, Mary, Mary of Nazareth. 
asking what does Mary speak to us about all our vulnerability and our fear. So to do that, let's just jump right into our text for today, okay? This is a long one because I want us to hear a lot about Mary, okay? So you're going to have to dial it in to be ready. So this is going to be Luke 1, verses 26 to 56, so it's 30 verses. And we'll begin with the scene where Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel to hear the news of her pregnancy. We're going to read that, but then continue into the next scene where Mary heads to her cousin Elizabeth, who is six months into her own pregnancy carrying Jesus's soon-to-be cousin, John. We know him as John the Baptist later. Mm -hmm. So Mary and Elizabeth greet each other, and then we'll finish with what is known as the Magnificat, or Mary's song. So I invite you into these familiar words, letting them find kind of vision in your own imagination, like go there as we read this. And as you listen, notice what is said about Mary and what is said about God. So here's Luke 1, 26 to 56 from the Inclusive Bible. Special thanks to Sean Mobley for reading today. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 56. Six months later, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a young woman named Mary. She was engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. Upon arriving, the angel said to Mary, Rejoice, highly favored one. God is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary was deeply troubled by these words and wondered what the angel's greeting meant. The angel went on to say to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and bear a son and give him the name Jesus, Deliverance. His dignity will be great, and he will be called the only begotten of God. God will give Jesus the judgment seat of David, his ancestor, to rule over the house of Jacob forever, and his reign will never end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I have never been with a man? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Hence, the offspring to be born will be called the Holy One of God. Know, too, that Elizabeth, your kinswoman, has conceived a child in her old age. She who was thought to be infertile is now in her sixth month. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary said, I am the servant of God. Let it be done to me as you say. With that, the angel left her. Within a few days, Mary set out and hurried to the hill country, to a town of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. As soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Messiah should come to me? The moment... Your greeting reached my ears. The child in my woman leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that what our God said to her would be accomplished. Mary said, my soul proclaims your greatness, O God, and my spirit rejoices in you, my Savior. For you have looked with favor upon your lowly servant, and from this day forward, all generations will call me blessed. For you, the Almighty, have done great things for me and holy is your name. Your mercy reaches from age to age for those who fear you. You have shown strength with your arm, 
You have scattered the proud in their conceit. You have deposed the mighty from their thrones and raised the lowly to high places. You have filled the hungry with good things while you have sent the rich away empty. You have come to the aid of Israel, your servant, mindful of your mercy, the promise you made to our ancestors, to Sarah and Abraham and their descendants forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned home. Thank you, Sean. As with any sermon, I'm always pulling together like voices of others in my own experience. And today is the same as I, as I weave in pieces from Nadia Boltzweber, who was with us last month that's here at Salt House, as well as Richard Rohr and an assortment of other like Advent and Christmas resources that I've been devouring. And it all gets to come together here in this new thing that we get to experience together now. So, Mary. There are so many reasons to be captivated by Mary, but there's also a lot of baggage about what, what to think about her, like how to understand her. And I wanna just name up front three of the common and sometimes unhelpful ways folks think about Mary. So first, Mary has been beloved for centuries as being a docile picture of purity and virginity. Did you know that actual church doctrines were written to say that Mary was perpetually a virgin and born without sin? Which is really problematic as it has this consequence of sounding like a way to say that God could never choose to make God's home in the womb of an actual real woman. So Mary had to be some kind of special one-off kind of woman that was really different and it's actually her really differentness from actual women that secured God's favor And yet, she should also be emulated by actual women, even though we can never hope to attain it because, as stated previously, Mary was totally different than any other woman before or since. So there's that, right? And then second, Mary has also been beloved by leftists as this sort of first century teenage female Che Guevara singing the Magnificat about the overthrow of the social order where the hungry are fed and the rich are sent away empty. And I love this image and this interpretation, even though it might be slightly misguided. But then third, other people are disturbed by the irrationality of the whole thing. You know, they see Mary and especially the virgin birth as a fairy tale for the gullible, something ignorant people believe in because they haven't learned to use human reason enough. I don't feel satisfied with any of these ways of seeing Mary because I see her as such a vibrant and pivotal person in the story of God. So having named kind of those interpretations, naming, naming the elephant there, I wonder what Mary has to teach us in this current moment that we are living in. So I want to dig into this text and into Mary, trusting that she has something to say to us now. You with me? Okay, good. Well, so one thing that piqued my interest that I want to run with today, and maybe it caught you too, is how in what we just read, Mary is named as blessed five times in these verses. Blessed, blessed. It is this definitive word about her, which we've grown accustomed to hearing And yet where I want to wrestle with and kind of reconcile with Mary this morning is in what this means that she was blessed. 
because we use hashtag blessed a lot, right? But we use it in response to getting like a good parking space or a date night or when everything has aligned for us in some way. We see those circumstances or experiences as blessing. I'm so blessed. And it seems that we're not talking about the same thing that Mary and Elizabeth and Gabriel are talking about here. Do you, do you feel that too? How, you know, it's, it just doesn't quite line up as the same thing. So let's dive into this text, looking at what Mary reveals to us about what it means to be blessed. So with Mary, here we have a girl who's likely between 13 and 15 years of age. She's a peasant, and she's engaged to a pretty religious guy. An angelic figure visits her, saying that she has found favor with God and will conceive a son by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Mary clarifies, wait a minute, how's that going to happen exactly? But then after that, she says yes. People get hung up on believing the virgin birth thing, but the harder thing to believe is that she said yes. Nadia Boltzweber playfully raises the question, like, if there was a behind-the-scenes story, documentary of Mary, what would we learn about how many girls were asked before Mary said yes? And if we saw a string of girls saying, nope, you know, we really wouldn't blame them, right? For me, putting myself in Mary's shoes, in all honesty, I would have only been able to say yes to something so bizarre if I knew what was in it for me. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd need to know, how am I going to benefit from this God who wants to use me? But Mary, based on very little solid evidence and information, she said, I am God's and let it be with me according to God's word. We notice her yes. For me, growing up hearing this text when the angel Gabriel says, don't be afraid, I always heard it as this like magical proclamation that took away any of Mary's fear. And I always saw Mary then as having unwavering faith and no fear. And yet now as I read this, I'm convinced that Mary was likely terrified still. It's impossible to know for sure, but after the angel leaves, it says how Mary hurries off to see her cousin Elizabeth. And I think Mary went there in fear, looking for reassurance, longing for words of affirmation, to be oriented in this new chaos that she found herself in, someone to help usher her through this threshold she was crossing and into this change she was living into. And even to see with her own eyes, like a belly that is swollen with life that spoke of God's faithfulness, that could comfort Mary as she knew her own belly would grow. She was afraid. We also notice then her fear. And then she's called blessed again and again. And this has made sense to me as I've always read it as, well, yeah, I mean, she gets to be the mother of God. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's pretty blessed. Yeah. The angel called her blessed, Elizabeth calls her blessed three times, and even Mary calls it out about herself, that generations will call her blessed. Which I also have read as, well, yeah, Mary, you can brag on yourself a little bit. She deserves it. You go, girl. And I assumed that she saw herself as blessed because she had been chosen by God, yes. And here's the thing, I realize how I have assumed that she had no idea what was coming. 
No idea how rough the road ahead would be. And if she did know how hard it was going to be, she might have pulled back on that little bit about thinking she was blessed. But now I don't think Mary was blind to what was coming. And this isn't Mary bragging on herself about her blessedness. Instead, Mary provides this counterintuitive picture of what blessing really is. As her life unfolds with Jesus, does she feel blessed as her unwed belly grew under the disapproving gaze of others? Does she feel blessed as she labors among sheep and straw? Does she feel blessed as her heart drops, realizing that she left her young son in Jerusalem? Does she feel blessed watching the rope dig into the wrists of her son? Does she feel blessed as her son is publicly tortured? Does she feel blessed when they lift him up on the cross to die? Blessed are you among women. Did she feel blessed through all of it? Did it it look like blessing? Surely not by our standards. Even with the little that we know of Mary's life, we know it did not always look blessed. She likely did not always feel blessed in the sense of of blessing that that we ascribe to it. Mary suffered incredible loss, disappointment, pain, and grief. Friends, we too say and live our yes to God in big and small things with great regularity. Have you noticed some of your yeses to God? Have you also noticed your fear? In Mary, we see that we see what casting our lot with the God of Israel really looks like when we give our yes. Namely, that being blessed means trusting that God is at work in the world even when we don't feel it, even in things we can't see, understand, or imagine. Mary didn't trust that God was going to shower her with cash and prizes or even that she would be safe from heartbreak and loss. She understood something that I really struggle to understand, that receiving a blessing is not the same as getting a present. She said yes, not based on the expectation of things being awesome for her, but based on the expectation that God can create something out of nothing. And we never know, we will never know, simply based on how our life feels, if it is filled with God's blessing or not. Being a people marked by the faith of Mary means to say, I don't understand what's going on. There's much in my life that is hard, and I know my life is not going to end up looking like one I would choose out of a catalog, but I trust that God is at work in all of it. Blessedness is being used for God's purpose more than getting what I want or for things being easy or okay. Friends, in some ways, this is a word of great discomfort, right? Hey, blessing is not associated with how good your life looks or feels. And that's just unsettling, right? But it's also a word of such comfort. Hey, blessing is not associated with how good your life looks or feels. 
Can you feel that for you right now in this 2020 moment? As so many of us struggle right now with all the repercussions of COVID, the sickness and the death of it, the broken economy, the isolation and the cautiousness of it, and also our own personal pain we're living in right now, folks facing infertility, cancer, breakups, depression, homelessness, joblessness, family crisis, as we are in our own struggle and fear, the great good news is that we are not without blessing. I struggle so much with this paradox of blessing that getting a blessing is different than getting a present. I really, really prefer the present version of blessing. That, like, that makes sense to me. But this paradox is what Jesus always preached always inviting us into this upside-down way of seeing what it means to be blessed. The most direct, memorable way that Jesus expresses this paradox is, of course, the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' Beatitudes in in Matthew 5, where Jesus names this shocking list of who is blessed among us. So as a final word for us today in this conversation about Mary and blessing, let's go there. Let's Let's move from Mary 30 years forward to Jesus on the hillside, surrounded by a ragtag mix of folks. And maybe in the Beatitudes, Jesus is simply blessing the ones who are around him that day, people he saw around him, people who didn't seem like they were blessed, who didn't otherwise receive blessing, who had come to believe that for them, blessing would never be in the cards. That just sounds like something Jesus would do, throwing around blessings to those with whom he just happens to be. But let's hear the Beatitudes differently. Let's hear it for our time now. Reverend Nadia Boltzweber, she imagined it and wrote what Jesus might say standing among us now. She wrote it in about 2018. You may have heard this too. But it offers us new Beatitudes for this time. So invite us to receive this as our blessing and on behalf of those who are named as blessed. I invite us to feel the paradox of it. It is gorgeously uncomfortable and feels wildly true. And to let God meet us in this mystery, knowing that God is at work in ways that we can't understand or imagine right now. Okay? So here is a modern take on who Jesus calls as blessed. Blessed are the agnostics. Blessed are they who doubt, those who aren't sure, those who can still be surprised. Blessed are those who have nothing to offer. Blessed are they for whom death is not an abstraction. Blessed are they who've buried their loved ones, for whom tears could fill an ocean. Blessed are they who've loved enough to know what loss feels like. Blessed are they who don't have the luxury of taking things for granted anymore. Blessed are they who can't fall apart because they have to keep it together for everyone else. Blessed are those who still aren't over it yet. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who no one else notices. The kids who sit alone at middle school lunch tables, the laundry guys at the hospital, the sex workers and the night shift street sweepers. Blessed are the forgotten. Blessed are the closeted. Blessed are the unemployed, the unimpressive, the underrepresented. 
Blessed are the wrongly accused, the ones who never catch a break, the ones for whom life is hard, for Jesus chose to surround himself with people like them. Blessed are those without documentation. Blessed are the ones without lobbyists. Blessed are those who make terrible business decisions for the sake of people. Blessed are the burned out social workers and the overworked teachers and the pro bono case takers. Blessed are the kind hearted NFL players and the fundraising trophy wives. And blessed are the kids who step between the bullies and the weak. Blessed is everyone who has ever forgiven me when I didn't deserve it. Blessed are the merciful, for they totally get it. You are of heaven, and Jesus blesses you. Nadia also says, I imagine Jesus standing here blessing us all because I believe that is our God's nature. Because after all, it was Jesus who had all the powers of the universe at his disposal, but did not consider his equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he came to us in the most vulnerable of ways as a powerless flesh and blood newborn. As if to say, I am blessing all human flesh. I am blessing all human weakness. I am blessing all human vulnerability. This Jesus whom we follow cried at the tomb of his friend and turned the other cheek and forgave those who hung him on the cross because he was God's beatitude. God's blessing for all, especially those who don't feel blessed. My friends, blessed are you. You. Be not afraid. Be not afraid for how hard things feel right now, for this is not a sign of God's absence. You are still, even now, blessed. The fear and pain may be the very place where God is most with you. We are not alone. For in the struggle, in the waiting, in the unknown, in the darkness, we are blessed. Amen? Amen. to love.